Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Here's my life. I lay it at the altar. You are worthy of it. You are worthy of it. No turning back, Jesus. Now I surrender my heart, my soul, my awe. Can you just put your hand over your heart? Would you just pray with me? Father, I, God, we just, as your church, here together. God, we just, we're so in awe of who you are and God, so in awe of what you have done for us. And Lord, some for some here, Lord, I just I, I know that that might be something that is, Father, not part of the, the regular way of viewing life, but God, you really are worthy of it all. And God, I pray that today, as a starting Sunday of a brand new year, God, that there would be something that you would, a supernatural thing that you would do in our hearts. Can you just pray that with me? Say, Holy Spirit, wake my heart up to receive what you want to do in me. Amen. Amen. Well, we are on a new series, as you saw the message intro, undistractable. 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 I can't even say the word. It's actually not a word. It comes up underlined on the spell check. That's not a word. Undistractable. Discover what happens when we realize God is holy. And you know, over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring worship. We're going to be engaging in worship in different ways and even unpacking some of the songs that we sing and looking at the lyrics and what does this actually mean? What does it mean? If I asked you what worship is, how would you answer? What is worship? Some are like, I actually have no clue. I just come in and I just show up and it feels good. Some might say, well, worship is singing, or it's reverence, it's the slow songs. If you grew up in church, you had the fast songs, you had the slow songs. Slow songs were often, now it's time for worship. Well, it's all worship. The fast, it's fast, slow, it doesn't matter. But what is worship? I love this description. Someone once described it this way. They said, worship is the heartbeat of the church, the body of Christ. It's the rhythm by which we live. The rhythm that elevates God above all else. Isn't that great? It's the rhythm by which we live. The rhythm that elevates God above all else. And here's the really crazy thing. You know, when God's people, when we actually live this way, when we live in a way that everything about our life Our desire, our heart's desire, the way we live, our activities, our habits, our focus, our attitude, doesn't mean we're perfect, but our desire is, God, I want you to be first in my life. I'm elevating you above everything else in my life. Now, to be honest, I pray that prayer lots, and I know that's not always true in my heart. Anybody else with me? We pray that prayer. It's like, God, I want you to be first. And we're just like, ah, I don't know if I want to pray that, because I still have this thing over here I really like. And if I'm honest, I like it more than you, and I want it more than you. But when, here's a wild thing. We're made to be worshipers. Worship is a, it's it's who we are before it's something we do. 
And see, when we actually live in this, this attitude and this way of worship where God is elevated above everything else, that way of God's people living is actually the way God's life and his love is released into the world. N.T. Wright, a theologian, he said this way. He said, human beings, listen to this. Human beings worshiping their creator were the intended key to the proper flourishing of the world. In other words, the way the world is going to work right is when human beings are worshiping right. He goes on. He said, worship was and is a matter of gazing with delight, gratitude, and love at the creator God, and then expressing his praise in wise, articulate speech. I like how it doesn't even need to be good singing. He goes on, he said, those who do this are formed by this activity to become the generous, humble stewards through whom God's creative and sustaining love is let loose into the world. Isn't that powerful? And my question for all of us today, are you a worshiper of God? Now we all worship. You are worshiping something, even if you are in this room or you're tuning in online and you're just kind of sitting there and you came because somebody begged you to come to church. You're not even quite sure about this. And, and to, to be honest in your mind, you don't have a lot of room for the God stuff. You might be an atheist. You might consider yourself an agnostic. And so you might not say, well, I'm not really a worshiper. I don't do this God stuff. I don't do this church stuff. I'm not a worshiper. Yes, you are. We, by humans, being humans, we worship something. And the thing is, if we are not intentional about worshiping God, you will worship something else. You will worship your significant other. You will worship your job. You will worship your business succeeding. You will worship your place on the team. You will worship your friends. You will worship grades. You will worship your goals. We all, say this with me, say, I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper. We are all worshipers. The question is, are you a worshiper of God? And you know, this message I prepared over Christmas, and I had this really great lesson on worship that I was going to prepare, and then I was like, you know what, forget the lesson, I'm just going to tell you a story. So how's that? We're going to read in the book of Genesis 22. It's a story about a guy named Abraham, some of you might be familiar with him, but I'm starting in verse 1, Genesis 22, it'll be up on the screen if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can do that. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, your only son. Can you say that? Say, your only son. Isaac, whom you love. Can you say that? Whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him. Can you say, offer him? As a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him Isaac, two of his young men, and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, stop, just let that sit. Where have you heard that before? On the third day. Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. 
The boy and I will go over there to worship. Can you say that? Worship. We will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And in his hand, he took the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. And then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. And Abraham said, do, and he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide, or your Bible, another version say Jehovah Jireh. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore, your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the world will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Can you say worship? Worship. What is worship? Worship at the very foundation is surrender. Now this story, some backstory, if you're not familiar with the Abraham and Isaac story, God had met Abraham about 20, 25 years prior to, actually probably closer to 30 years prior to this, maybe a lot longer than that, because Isaac was quite a bit older. And God had spoke to Abraham when Abraham was in his later years, like we're talking 90s. And he said, you and your wife Sarah are going to have a son. He's like, you're joking, God. This is just not going to be because we're too old. Do you not see us? Everything stopped working. The long story short is God had to convince Ab Abraham several times. God made the promise. Nothing happened for several decades. God shows up again, and they're all like, I don't know. You said it. Nothing happened. But eventually, there is this son, Isaac, that is born, and he is the promised child. And God had promised Abraham that out of his son Isaac would come descendants that would turn into a nation. And the mount of this people would be like the sand on the sea, a sand on the seashore. Like the stars in the sky. One version says like dust. In other words, this nation that was going to come out of this man who had been buried... Bur sorry, not buried. This man who had been, he'd been completely, he had no hope of having children. And now, 
Several years after the baby shows up and life is wonderful and Abraham's wondering, wow, what's going to happen next? He gets this message from God saying, I want you to take your only. (laughs) Thank you. Only son. The one whom you love. And I want you to offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will tell you. Now, there's a lot behind that. What in the world was going on there? We don't, we're not going to get into that because that's not the purpose. But my question for us, my question for you this morning is who or what is your Isaac? What is that only whom you love that might be elevated in a place greater than God. Look at this. Take your son, Abe's only son, God's promise. And I think, look, this is a crazy thing. Isaac represented Abraham's entire future. And God's like, would you give it to me? Would you give him? Would you trust me in this? Would you be willing to give up the very fulfillment of the thing I told you about that I would do? Are you willing to actually give it back to me completely? Burnt offering isn't just burn the toes. This is like consumed. And Isaac represented Abe's entire future. Can you say that? Entire future. His entire future that God was asking Abraham to trust him with. And look at Abe's response. Genesis. There was no questioning. No. Are you serious, God? Three times we have Abraham going, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. But there was no delay. Look at it. He got up early the next morning. It wasn't like, okay, is there any way I can drag these out? Like, God didn't say when. Like, maybe if I wait a week or so, you know, maybe I'll hear another word from God, and God will change his mind, and this is not what God is actually asking me to do. But there were no questions. Verse 20, verse 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. Now, in Scripture, there's a principle called the principle of first mention. And when something is mentioned for the first time in Scripture, it sets a precedence for how we're to understand or interpret this thing throughout the rest of Scripture. This is the first place in most English translations where the word worship is spoken. Now, this word in Hebrew, you're going to have fun. You can pretend like you're going to shoot a woogie, whatever that is, a boogie. I don't know what that's called anymore. Say shaka, and you got a shaka. Yeah, there you go. That was a good one. Shaka. Shaka is this word, worship. But the first place this word shows up in scripture is actually translated by the word bow. But this time it was something different. 
here's my life. I lay it at the altar. You are worthy of it. You are worthy of it. No turning back, Jesus. Now I surrender my heart, my soul, my all. You can have my heart, my soul, my all. See, for Abe, Shaka was not going to be this bowing for a moment. Okay, God, you can have your way, and I'll go about my life. Had my moment. Sure, God, you can do what you want in this moment. Kind of go on the rest of my life doing my thing. No, for Abe, Shaka was going to mean everything. It was a complete surrender. An act of elevating God above everything and everyone else. His only son whom he loved. I'll answer your calling. I'll take up my cross. Now and always. Now and always. My Savior, my Lord, forever I adore. Now and always. But here's where the story gets really cool because we start to see some hyperlinks that pull us into a time warp. Look at this. Genesis 22, 6. Abraham. I've lost all my notes. There they go. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham. And it, my father, and Abraham replied, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. And when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Who here can see the pictures who knows where, have you seen, do you know where the time warp has taken you? This is a picture, this is one of the first, one of the most profound pictures that is pointing forward to another father who was going to give his one and only son as a sacrifice. He was giving his son up for you and I, whom he loved so much, as well. But this is so powerful. I mean, even when you get down to the fire and the knife, I mean, Jesus himself, in talking about what his ministry was about, he said, I came not to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring a fire. And what happened when he was on the cross, when they wanted to make sure he was dead, they took a spear and they pushed it into his side. I love this. This is why the Bible is just like so cool. If you don't like the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of these hyperlinks. And once you see it, you can't not see it. 
But this picture, this story is more than just about a guy that God spoke to and asked him to do something really hard. God was revealing something that is for you and I. First of all, this story is pointing forward to God himself and his son Jesus who would go to the cross for you and I in order to pay what was needed in order to release us out of the grip of death. That's what that story's about, but also hidden in it is the reality that it's because of the cross. It's because of what Jesus has done that we are actually able to live in a way that, God, I am elevating you above all things, and here is my Isaac. I'm giving it over to you. We can't do that in our own strength. But God is saying, listen, it's through the cross that you're able to do that. Here's my life. I lay it at the altar. You are worthy of it. You know, the altar is kind of weird because we don't have a lot of those. Sometimes if you go into certain restaurants, they have an altar there with a waving cat. Or he's like this. I think it is. <laughs> you know, or they might have different, you know, types of things. Like, I kind of looks like an altar. But this altar in this Bible was, the altar was a place in Scripture. It was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of surrender. It was a place of completely being consumed. The altar is kind of like Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens at the altar stays at the altar. It doesn't get off. We don't take it back. It's consumed. Here's my life. I lay it at the altar. You are worthy of it. You are worthy of it. You know, there was a statement I used to say, and maybe you say this, or maybe you've heard it, or maybe I said it to you at some point, and if that's true, I'm repenting right now for saying it. I'm so sorry, because I think that it's not doctrinally correct. But it goes like this. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to. And I actually believe that is not a true statement. And here's why. I think it leads us to believe that a life of following Jesus should just be happy and wonderful. And Jesus fulfills my every desire. And my life is awesome now. Except that's not the message Jesus told his disciples. Jesus told his disciples that following him would actually involve their own cross. I don't die. I don't work to pay the price for my sins. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus' death for you and me was a completely different subject. We need to die. We need to die to ourselves. We need to die, and we need to sometimes let things die. I'll answer your calling. I'll take up my cross now and always, now and always. My Savior, my Lord, forever adore now and always. You know, in the New Testament, Paul, he spoke about this. 
in Romans 12, he said, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, in other words, if you look at all God has done for you and I, look at the mercy of God, look at what God has done for us in sending Jesus and giving us a new start. He has freed us from sin. He has freed us from our captivity. He has freed us from being bound and chained to death, and he has made it possible that we could live eternally starting now, not a heaven someday. Look at the mercies of God. He does not count your past against you. God's mercy is there. He looks on our failures and his mercy is great. In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do something different. Jared's going to come out. We're going to sing the song that he sang in the beginning. And this is what I want us to do on your paper, or sorry, on your seat, under your bum, or on the floor, or under the coat next to you. There is a piece of paper. And I, I, I love what Mike said earlier about you know, there's action that we need to engage in. And there's something I, can, I wish I could really fully express what I sense so strongly in my spirit, in my heart, that God is wanting and is preparing and is going to do this year. The question is, will we be in the place to be on board with him? Will we be with him or will we be missing it and doing our own thing? And I know this word, this isn't like how we started out with, I've got the joy, I've got the joy, we've got joy, joy, joy. And this is a little bit of a different sideways from the joy. And we're still going to be singing about joy. But I really believe there is something significant in what we're going to write on that paper, what is your Isaac? Who is your Isaac? That God might be asking you to put on the altar and leave it there. And that's what I want to invite us to do. And maybe even just, why don't we just get a little bit, let's just make it easier to focus. Jackson, why don't you just bring the lights down a bit? In a minute, we're going to stand and sing, but I just want to take a few moments. Jerry's just going to be playing this lightly, and I want us to really reflect on what do you need? What is it that God is asking you to surrender? And some of you, you will know by the minute when I said that, you're like, oh, God, please don't ask me about that one. That might be what you need to write on the paper. This is just some of the ground level. This is just some of the basics if you're having a hard time. Also, there's pens in the chair pockets. If you can't see them, it's like every other chair. There's a pocket so you can write. If you don't have a pen, you can reach around and share. But what are some things that we might need to surrender? What is it that you think about or get distracted with when we are together 
worshiping God with our song, where does your mind go? Is it, is it going to the activities you need to run to the rest of the day? Is it going to the assignments that you forgot about or you're worried about? Is it going to that business meeting you have later today or this week? Is it your kids? Are you worried about the person standing beside you and what are they thinking? If I'll raise my hands, God, I don't know, like I really want it, but I feel so weird. What distracts you? What pulls you into to-do mode during worship where you start going after the mental lists? What makes you rush out after church? What makes it difficult to come to church? What is it that makes you fearful, anxious, angry? overwhelmed what is your only mm, whom you love or your only mm, that thing what you love and some of you it might just be writing the goals that you've made for 2024 and just surrendering God this was my plan but honestly I want your plan you are worthy of it that's what the lyrics say you are worthy of it God and you know putting something on the altar it's a symbolic act but there is power in all sorts of symbolic acts And when we put something on the altar, which is what we're, I'm going to invite you, when we stand, you can start, you can, and we stand, and we're going to bring these up. But there's buckets here at the front at each of the end of the all, at the aisles, that you can come and just fold up your paper. Nobody's going to look at these. This is simply between you and God. We're not going to pick them out and just, oh, look at all the stuff people's, that's not it at all. <laughs> I actually wanted to have a fire pit that I could burn it with, but then I thought my husband would probably get mad at me for doing that because I thought there's probably going to be a lot of paper and it would probably make a lot of smoke. But when we put something on the altar, it means Jesus is worth so much more than this thing. That we're willing to let this thing go up in smoke. Because he's actually the greatest of it all. He's the greatest value to me. And so I want us to stand. If you're still writing, it's great if you can write when you want to stand and write. I want you, but I want us to write something. I got something. I got my paper here. I made it. And I want to pray. And we're just going to take time. We're going to sing this song with you. And we just might take a bit of extra time here. But some of you, I know this is a big thing because there's some things that are going to mean your future. And God, I just pray. I pray for those that, Father, some of us, the things might be simple. They might be, God, I know I've been, you've been dealing with me about this. I need to put on the altar. But God, I pray that, Father, those things that are so hard, the things that represent your promise, God, those things that represent our entire future, God, those things that we love so much, those things that, God, if we're honest, they do have a higher place. God, I pray for courage. 
I pray for boldness. God, I pray for your grace because it's only through the grace of Jesus Christ that we receive through your power, through your death, your resurrection. God, it's only through your grace that we can lay these things down. And God, we do this at the start of a year instead of writing out all of the dreams and the things that we want you to do. And God, that's what we, we will believe, we will pray, we will agree. But God, we start just even responding, just Mel's exhortation in prayer that God, above all of the answers to prayer that you want to and you are going to do this year, God, you first of all want our hearts. And so God, we just say this represents our heart. This represents the deep parts of us. And God, we surrender. We lay it at the altar because you are worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. If you already have yours written, you can come and put it in and just, and then just go back to your chair and let's, we're, go ahead, Jer. Why don't you just lead us? I hear the voice of my father, your kindness is calling me to repentance again. I see the scars of my Savior, the ransom you paid for to save me and call me your friend. And I know at the cross you gave it I know at the cross you gave it all. Here's my life, I lay it at the altar. You are worthy of it. You are worthy of it. No turning back, Jesus. Now I surrender my heart, my soul.
trying to move in. God, where the grief and the sadness is trying to overtake, God, I just write down your grace. God, you are the great provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. And God, I just pray for each one. God, where that release, God, where Isaac really represents everything so much. Father, beyond what any in this room might be able to understand, for those watching. And God, I just pray even for those, the grace that, God, maybe where there wasn't, there was that, I want to so much, but maybe you couldn't walk forward. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is no guilt. But I do believe that God is going to speak something to you at some point this today maybe this week this month at some point and I just I'm believing that God is going to give you the courage to do that and God I just speak your grace God let it be your grace that flows in in abundance and God your grace that flows to us God to continue to leave God to continue to lean into you in a way that allows us to leave this here that allows us to leave that Isaac, our one and only. God, to leave it here. God, to let you come and transform it. God, let you come and do greater than what we could have ever imagined. God, the provision, the blessing that you're going to bring. Father, not just a blessing to our lives and making everything wonderful, but Father, blessing that has to do with your overall greater promise and the fulfillment of your plans and purposes where our lives are so much greater than just ourselves and God, the part that we play in your bigger story. God, we thank you that we could be a part. God, thank you. And you know, there's some here where this is a restart Sunday for you. A restart dedication of following Jesus. You might be watching online, whether today or later during the week. And some here in this room, this is your first time. It's like maybe you've been coming with a friend or a family member coming by yourself. But this is a time and the beginning of a brand new year to really make that dedication of Jesus. I want to follow you. And so we're going to pray together to help give words and we don't no one prays alone here we pray together but if this is a desire in your heart we're going to pray with you and so church will you pray and join with me just say Jesus thank you for everything that you've done to make salvation possible I say yes to this gift to following you Jesus thank you for a brand new start today in your name.
hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.